Mark Inc. Ministries presents the preaching and teaching of Dr. Chuck F. Betters in Bear, Delaware. Visit markinc.org where you'll discover many free sermons and resources that will equip you to walk by faith and offer help and hope to the hurting. That's markinc.org at markinc.org. Luke chapter 2, I have been preaching a series of messages called Why? We've been addressing various questions that surround the birth narratives that are given to us in Scripture concerning the events of Jesus' birth. We've talked about why Jesus was born of a virgin. Why was he born in the city of David? Why was he born into a family? I want to take a look at this very familiar passage. Beginning with verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. You almost get the picture or, or image that this, this passage is being opened up to us that these shepherds were not there by mistake. There were very specific shepherds that uh, were in a field, the Bible tells us, nearby, which gives us a little clue as to the kind of sheep they were actually herding or taking care of. We know, for example, that in the proximity of this particular region, uh, if we have our geography right, these particular sheep were being raised for the purpose of sacrifice. Uh, They were being raised for the purpose of slaughter. In other words, they were going to be sacrificial lamb. Uh, As the travelers would make their way into the city, as the travelers would go back and forth and make their pilgrimage to produce their sacrifices in the Jewish temples, They would uh, not take their sheep with them. They would buy them along the way. And it appears as though these particular shepherds were were herding a flock of of sheep that were designed specifically for the purpose of sacrifice. That gives us a little bit of insight into the birth of Jesus. He came, the Bible tells us, to die. He came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, these shepherds were not there by mistake. They were not just happening to be there. Uh, There is a very specific reason why they were there, because we want to get insight into what heaven has to say about this child that was born. It tells us in verse 9, an angel, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, you need to understand why they were terrified. Remember the story of Moses in the Old Testament. The backside of the glory of God came by Moses, and he took a peek. The result of that was that for for a long period of time, Moses had to walk around with a bag on his head. And only a smidgen, just the backside of God's glory, passed by him. Now, in this particular passage, it tells us that the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. They entered into the glory of God and the glory of God magnifies the sin of man. And they were terrified. But verse 10 tells us, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you gospel. That's what good news means. I bring you gospel. I bring you good news. Of great joy, I bring you the gospel of great joy that will be for all laos, the people. 
In other words, the people of God, laos, a very special word. We'll talk about that in a moment when we get a, a few verses down. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. What is the good news? What is the gospel today? In the town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, Yahweh. He is God incarnate. He is Messiah, Jehovah. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. How will you know? This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, there seems to be implied in what the angel told the shepherds. It seems to be assumed by the angel that these shepherds are now going to do something with what they've just heard. They weren't going to just stand there and talk to each other. They were going to take some action on the message they had just received. This is how you will know. When you go on your journey, when you, when you move from this place to where you need to be, this is how you'll know. You'll find this baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, I cannot emphasize or overemphasize to you the critical nature of understanding that word in the Greek. The word suddenly there implies to us in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, these shepherds didn't even have time to think. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host materialized. Now, they were already there, just like the first angel who announced his coming. But they materialized, a great company. It doesn't tell us how many there were. We know this, for example, when Jesus talked about going to the cross. He said to his disciples, specifically to Peter, when Peter whipped off the ear of the high priest's servant in the garden of, of Gethsemane that night, he said, Peter, now put up your sword. Don't you know if I wanted to, I could call upon my Father in heaven who will send 12 legions of angels to deliver me. Now we know that 12 legions of angels, if we're going to use Roman terminology, was about 144,000 angels. They were simply there for the purpose of delivering Jesus from the cross. We know that angels are messengers of God. We know that one angel will come one after another, and they will judge or execute the judgments of God upon this earth. They have the power to consume the earth. They have the power to just swing the sickle and cause great devastation. Can you imagine what it must have looked like when the Bible doesn't tell us how many legions there were? It just simply says, a great company. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think it was. I think it was every single angel in heaven. I don't think they could help themselves. I don't think there was any angel sitting back watching TV. I think when that message was declared, it was like the angels knew, this is what we have anticipated. This is what all of human history has pointed to. God will become a man. And now this angel announces it. I don't think they could help themselves. There have been times I know when you've been in the context of a worship service where if you, if you cut your suspenders, you'll fly right up into heaven, you think. It's like God is so close that if you swing a knife in the room, you know you're going to draw some blood somewhere. 
because of the the imminence of Christ and the presence of the Spirit in that room. I think that's what these angels experienced. I don't think they could help themselves. I think those shepherds saw every single angel and experienced the singing or the praising of every single angel. It doesn't say, by the way, that they sang. It says they said. Now, if our singing sounds so great, imagine what angelic saying sounds like. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, what did they say? Glory to God in the highest. Now, be careful, because on a lot of your Christmas cards, they've got it wrong. The angel's message was not peace on earth to every single man. doesn't say that. That's not what the... Read carefully what the angels say. They don't declare this manifest peace to every single man on the face of the earth. As you and I sit here, we're on high alert. Christians are being tortured, systematically tortured, for professing their faith in Christ around the world. This is anything when we know Christ. In fact, there's, there are specials now being aired on TV that talk about, are we going through a war on Christianity? Have you seen those advertised? Are we going through a war against Christianity? Is there a systematic design out there that is pushing the Christian faith back into the church? You people need to get back into the church. You can't have any influence out here. We don't even want candy canes in our schools. We don't want any symbols of Christ anywhere. But bring in the Koran, and that's okay. Bring in some trinkets from your Eastern mystic religion, that's all right. But it seems as though Christianity has been singled out by our culture. And we have been told, get back into the pews. Now, there's a reason for that. You want to know what the reason is? Unlike Islam, unlike the Buddhists, unlike the Hindus, unlike all of the other isms in the world, Christianity is just plain too convicting. It's too convicting because we demand something of you. We basically say that apart from your faith in that Jesus, Christianity, and and the people who call themselves Christians, we all declare that apart from faith in that baby, you cannot be saved. Other religions don't say that. That's why they're tolerated. We're being pushed back in. Because we make a message or preach a message that's way too convicting. The world doesn't want to hear it. But the angels couldn't stand themselves. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. What's it say there now? Read it carefully. To men on whom his favor rests. That goes back to that word laos. The people. Who are the people? Who are these people upon whom the favor of God rests? And what does it say about those who do not embrace the faith? What does it say about those who reject the faith? What does it say to those who know the claims of Christianity and renounce them or denounce them? What does it say? Well, one thing I know emphatically these angels are saying, listen carefully when angels talk, people. When angels talk, you ought to listen. These angels talked and said, the peace of God. 
That peace that only God can give, the peace of God, rests upon those who have been given divine favor. The other word for that is grace. Those who are the recipients of divine grace are the ones who enjoy the favor of God. They are the only ones who can have true peace. Those are the ones who trust in Christ as their Savior and trust in him alone for their salvation. Verse 15, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven. I love that. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Watch this now. Let's go to Bethlehem. Now, the first thing you need to understand about that is once you are encountered by the living God, your life can never be the same. You just can't go back to tending sheep anymore. Something has to give. These men are about to have their lives changed. Now, watch what they say here. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this, what's that next word? Thing. See this thing. Notice they want to see a thing. The word for thing there, by the way, is the word rea. It means word. Let's see this word. How do you see a word? I'm speaking words to you now. Have you seen any of the words? You've heard the words, but you've not seen the words, have you? Has anybody seen the words? Don't think so. Let's go see this word. That's what the word thing there means. Let's go see this word that has happened. A word has happened. We want to go see it. Let's go see this word that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Now, notice they didn't say the angels. They knew who the angels were speaking for. They knew when the glory of God shone around them, it was the voice of God speaking. When the angels were singing or saying or whatever angels do, and the glory of the Lord was there, and they were so terrified, they knew God was speaking. Let's go see what God said. Let's go see the word. Can you see the word? There's a word you can see. John chapter 1 tells us, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we saw his glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We saw the word. Let's go see this thing that has happened, this word. So they hurried off. No wasting time here. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now we know these men not only have heard the word, they have seen the word, they have now spoken of the word, but Mary 
Can you imagine what this girl was going through? No wonder it says there, but she pondered or treasured. She treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. What great treasures they must have been, especially when she was watching her son die. What a wonderful treasure that must have been. She held that baby. She nursed that baby. She changed that baby's dirty diapers. She walked with that baby. She nurtured that baby. And step by step, day by day, for 30 years, she walked alongside of him. Then she watched him die a cruel, ignoble death, a painful, horrible, abusive mutilation of that little baby's body. Those became treasures. And she pondered them in her heart. The shepherds, now watch this, they returned. Now their lives have been changed. They returned. Now when they started out in this story, what were they doing? They were tending what? Sheep. But when the story ends, what are these shepherds doing? They are glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and now seen, which were just as they had been told. In other words, their lives changed. They heard the word, they saw the word, they experienced the word, and they preached the word. We hear of the glory of God. We taste of the glory of God by coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Our lives are changed from the inside out. I don't know about you, friends, but in 1968, my heart was convicted of my own personal sin, and I came to understand in simple childlike faith the meaning of the gospel. And I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Actually, I didn't really give it to him. He took it. And then I gave it to him. And I trusted in him for my salvation. I've got to tell you, from that day on, my life was completely changed. Now, that doesn't mean my life was completely happy. That doesn't mean that everything was hunky-dory. That doesn't mean that everything was peaches and cream. In fact, from that point on, we have been tested over and over and over again. You can't meet Christ. You can't receive Christ and remain the same. It can't happen. If you have received Christ, and I'm putting that in quotes, if you think you have received Christ and nothing's happened, there's been no change, everything's just the same, there's been no new motivations, no new change of heart, no new direction in your life, and you're just the same as you were before you trusted Christ as your Savior, I've got a question whether or not you know him. You can never meet Christ and remain the same. They returned, but now they didn't return just merely as shepherds. They returned as convicted shepherds, shepherds who had heard the word, shepherds who had seen the word, shepherds who had experienced the word, and now shepherds who were going to return and glorify the word. Others were going to know. That's our mission. That's what we're all about. That's why our message is too convicting. Because you know what we do? We turn around and we say to other people, I've met Jesus Christ. He forgave every sin I've ever committed or ever will commit. 
I know him as my personal Lord and Savior. I can talk to him freely every day and every night. He is my great high priest. He has been tempted in every point like unto us, yet without sin. I know him personally and intimately, and now you must know him too. They like that first part. They say, that's wonderful. I'm glad you know him. I'm glad you've experienced him. I'm glad you've heard the word. I'm glad you've tasted the word. I'm glad you've experienced the word. But then when we say, and you can experience that word too, that's when the hand goes up. Whoa, hold on a minute. I'm glad that works for you. Now it becomes too convicting. When Jesus was on the cross, the Bible tells us that the people, the pilgrims, were making their way into the city for the feasts. The Bible tells us that here on that hill called Golgotha, cross of Jesus Christ, the focal point of all human history, was being unpackaged right before their very eyes. The Bible tells us they walked in, they walked past, they wagged their heads and kept right on going. Is it nothing to you, all ye who pass by? We're looking forward to a day in which the Son of God will reveal to the whole world Everything we've ever preached about him concerning the uniqueness of the gospel is true. Every knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To those of us who have experienced him by divine favor, it will be by faith. To those who haven't, it will be by force. But every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. The shepherds, their lives were changed. They could never be the same. Have you met him? You've been listening to Dr. Chuck F. Betters in this program brought to you by Mark Inc. Ministries, proclaiming the truth that God is sovereign and you can trust him. Please visit us online at markinc.org to learn about other free sermons and resources.